0: For this, our tenth season, we will focus on telling true stories about the men and women we have come to know over 28 years of recovery. Each episode will tell a story of what life was like as an addicted or alcoholic person, what happened to wake that person up, and what is life like today. Not all stories are ones of success. Some of our friends didn't make it as they relapsed and so far have not come in from the cold. Some died in circumstances that had nothing to do with their disease. Others had a rough start, but they persevered and now enjoy a full and productive life. Some are old guys like me, and others are relative youngsters who serve as great examples to other younger addicts. Our stories describe addicts and alcoholics of many different cultures, a range of socioeconomic status, different generations, gender types, and sexual preferences, if they're relevant to their story. I like to say that addiction and alcoholism are equal opportunity predators. They don't discriminate, and you will see how the stories we share about our friends will prove the truth of that statement. This is episode one of season 10. Lindsay shoots the sheriff. Lindsay was the kind of girl who just attracted men wherever she went. She ultimately ended up in the Pennsylvania prison system after shooting a would-be suitor in the head who she said was trying to rape her. Problem was, he he was shot in the back of the head three times, so that that told quite a different story than the one she had been trying to sell the investigators and anyone else who would listen, including the local media in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Turns out the man she shot was a retired deputy sheriff of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So yes, she shot the sheriff. That's all true. Allentown is the poster child for the Rust Belt, once a thriving town that supplied steel mills with the men to tend the hearths, the machinery to keep the molten steel flowing, and the coal to keep the fires going. Allentown, by the late 1980s, had been all but abandoned to its miserable fate. Lindsay grew up in an environment where her dad held on to the last of the jobs to be had. He was a trucker who hauled scrap metal from what was left of the mills to whomever would buy it, usually the new-style recycling mills in New Jersey or in one of the towns in upstate New York. When he came home, which was most nights, he would go to the local hangout bar and have more than a few beers and come home drunk and more often than not slap his wife and two daughters around just for the fun of it. Lindsay would often join her dad at the bar for the beers and a few rounds of pool and darts, and so it went many a night. She'll tell you that at 16, she was already a grown-up girl at at 5 foot 8 and growing to almost 6 feet by the time she was 19. She had blonde hair, brown eyes, and a Marilyn Monroe physique that would stop traffic if there were any. Men started hitting on her when she was 15 years old. Most of the time that happened at the bar. Yes, you could walk into a bar as a teenager, but you couldn't drink alcohol where her dad would shoo the would-be suitors away. She got a lot smarter about evading the grasp of the drunks who slithered over. By the time she was 17, not only was she a professional beer drinker and pool hustler, she had already tried cocaine and speed along with the occasional chip of heroin. Allentown may seem like a long way from New York, but it's only a two-hour bus ride away. Lindsay decided that her looks and ambition could get her into the modeling business in New York, and she gave it a shot, got herself an agent who became a boyfriend who did get her a few gigs as a print ad model and some, quote, lingerie work. But she had barely made it through high school, and she had no other skills besides her astonishing looks. so work as an ordinary secretary was beyond her. She was functionally illiterate. All this time in New York and trips home to Allentown on the weekend, she was using cocaine and speed and occasionally mixing in some heroin. Her male friends were not were only too happy to supply her with cocaine and that would have her dancing around rather naked to her shame the next day but it still happened. She became paranoid as some cocaine addicts become. buys herself a 32 caliber beretta, and learns how to shoot at a range in Easton just a few miles from her home in Allentown. She had an explosive temper, though. Her red auburn hair would just flail wildly when she was in a rage, and there was little one could do to calm her down. She knew she had an addiction problem. I met her in New York on one of my trips there from Chicago, and fell for her so fast it made my head spin, and I tried to save her. But I was an addict myself, and how is that supposed to work? Well, it didn't. She did check herself into a county-run facility in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, but checked herself out two weeks after she went in. She would pull out that 32 caliber Beretta anytime she really got pissed off. Then an older guy who was really all over her in the parking lot of the Rocky Inn in Easton got her really mad, And she shot him after she waved the gun at him, and he was running away, and she shot him in the back of the head. She was so high and so drunk, she barely knew what she had done. I think she may have barely been 25 years old by then. I knew her well. She had the most wonderful sense of loving I had ever known, and she was a broken person from the time she was just a kid sitting on a bar stool in Allentown, Pennsylvania. She also had an explosive temper and underwent a personality change whenever she got drunk and high, every time. She tore my guts out with her meanness when she drank and then bribed me back with her sweetness more than once, I tell you. It did not end well for her. She's been serving a life sentence for murder in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for a long time now, and I have a feeling she was sentenced to life before she even had a chance. She had told me goodbye just a year or so before she did the shooting. She called me to tell me that not to come to her trial as she said it would make her cry to see me upset like that. What did we learn from Lindsay's story today? We'll learn that one, some addicts never make it and they end up in prison. Hard truth, but a real truth. Number two, even though science says that addictive disorder is driven by genetics, Lindsay's environment accelerated her decline into hard drugs done on a daily basis. Number three, friends who want to save their friends don't let their unstable friends walk around with a loaded gun. Number four, sadly, love has not a chance against a powerful disease. And five, had Lindsay been convinced to stay just a little bit longer in the treatment facility, I'm quite sure Her life and that of the man she murdered could have been saved. That story gets to me every time. Our podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com.